0: Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. So, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at a two part message. Um, start today, we'll finish this next week, Lord willing. Uh, but we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1. I've entitled this message, Focus. Focus. Where is our focus at this morning? Um, I've this is is like I said, broken into two parts. But we're going to look at what is ruling in our life, and hopefully, that's Jesus that rules in our life. And so, in Colossians chapter one, verses fifteen through nineteen, is where we'll be at this morning. If you have your copy of God's Word, we would stand. Ask you to stand as we read. These couple of verses, verses 15 through 19. The Bible says this, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and that by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Father, we want to come and thank you. Thank you for this message that you've given me. I pray that you'll help me to articulate the words that you'd have me to say this morning. I pray that you would just have your power upon us this morning, and in your name we pray, amen. So as we begin, you can have a seat as we begin this morning, I want to start out by asking a simple question, a question that's going to run throughout the entire message this morning, and it's this, what is the role that Jesus is playing in your life this morning? What is the role that Jesus is playing Every person in this room is playing a role in someone else's life. The role that I play in my family's life is I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a brother, I'm a son. We all have roles that we play in people's life. And so in that same mindset, what is the role that Jesus plays in our life? This morning we're going to look through a couple of points uh, and as I began thinking about this, even this morning, a thought came to my mind that Greg Boone had said while we were at Look Up a couple of years ago, and he said this: He said many times we as Christians are practicing atheism. He said I'm going to clarify this by saying this: We are making decisions that we never ask God about. We are doing things that we'd never actually go and say, God, is this what you want me to do? And he gave an illustration. He said, look back. We're halfway through the year. We're in July. He said, look back at the first half of this year and ask yourself this question. If you weren't a Christian, if you didn't believe in Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what would you have done different than that you already did this year? What decisions would you have made that would have been different because you weren't a follower of Jesus. If you look at it and you say nothing would have changed because you never asked Jesus, you never went to him to make those decisions or to do those actions. He said, you're a Christian that is a Christian atheist because you're not asking God, you're not following God, you're not seeking him in those decisions. So I'm gonna ask us again, what is the role That Jesus is playing in our life this morning as a church? What is the role uh, that He is guiding us in? And so we're gonna look at three basic points, three small things from these couple of verses to help us understand where Jesus is at in our life. The first thing is this He created everything. Jesus created everything. And so we ask ourselves well, Pastor James, I've learned that since I was a baby in nursery. When Sherry was in the nursery and I was in there with her, she sang those songs. He's got the whole world in his hand. She's singing those things. We went to VBS and we learned that Jesus created everything. Why is this important today? Well, Adam and Eve were the first created beings in the garden. They were the perfect representation of Christ. They didn't just appear. They didn't just evolve from some amiibo Millions and millions of years before that, they were created for a purpose. And Jesus said in this, Paul said through Jesus, through the inspiration in Colossus, that we are created just as they were created. Think about that. They lived a perfect, holy life. They walked with Jesus every single day. They walked with God. He talked with them. Something that we will not experience here on this earth. Until we get to heaven and we're in glory, we will not experience what they experienced in that garden. A perfect body. I know I I seem to look perfect at times, um, but we're not perfect. Okay, There's imperfections. My wife tells me all the time that I I look perfect and I'm I'm the best thing she's ever seen. But I can see past that sometimes. But we're going to have a perfect body. Adam and Eve had a perfect body. There was no pimple. There was no puberty, right, middle schoolers, high schoolers? No puberty, no voice change, okay? They didn't have to wear makeup because she was perfect, okay? And when God created that, he created them perfect in their body. He created them perfect in their soul. They had a complete perfect soul in harmony with God, and their spirit was perfect. There was never a time where their spirit got angry. I get angry at Brody and Jade sometimes, and... And even this morning, we're, we just got back from vacation. I would admit my faults. I'm looking for my bathroom stuff my toothbrush, my toothpaste, my hair shampoo, my gel. Uh, I knew we had baptism, so I'm, I'm rushing around. I can't find it. Where's it at? Well, it's in this bag. So I went and found this bag. It's not in there. At this point, I'm like level 10 emotions. My spirit's raging. Okay, I walk through, we have a little, a little child gate that we keep for the boomer. He stays in the hallway, so we put it there, an idea that, that Gina gave us. And so I walked through, and my foot got caught on the gate. Okay, At this point, I'm like over and above Okay, anything you can imagine because I'm running behind schedule, and I just sort of kicked the gate. <laughs> I like, you don't have to get mad. I said, I'm really not that mad. It caught, and it just was there. And so I just, okay, our spirit, we're not perfect right now. But in that moment, Adam and Eve were perfect in their spirit. There was perfection. And God said he created them perfect. Now take this a step further. He created us as well. The Bible says he formed us in our mother's womb. We are created by God. As I began thinking through this creation thing, I began to think back as a child. Okay, in our neighborhood, we lived in a, wasn't a subdivision, it was just a street that had a lot of kids on it, and our house was normally the the house where everyone gathered. It was either our house or someone else's. And in this moment, this time, we were all together, all the kids in the neighborhood, and we had this brilliant idea, let's make a homemade goat cart. And so we went out back, and we had a bunch of old bikes, because there were five kids, and so a bike would break, and we'd throw it in the back of the garage and get a new one. And so there were all these bikes left. So we began taking these bikes apart. We found three sheets of plywood that my dad had. We screwed the wheels to the plywood and we made two walls. We found an old, old steering wheel and we sort of screwed it, had no motor. And so all of a sudden my mom's got it on video. If I'm lying, I'm dying. You can watch it. It's on an old cassette tape, uh, VHS tape. We come riding around the side of the yard my mom's got it recorded, and we're all excited. We made a goat cart. The steering wheel doesn't work because it's just bike tires screwed to plywood. Man, we were excited. We made something. We come around the side of the yard. Anybody guess what happens? All the wheels go flat, the plywood collapses. Okay, but we were excited. We had created something out of nothing. We made a goat cart that couldn't move, that eventually broke after about five minutes of use but we're proud of it man we were showing it off and a lot of times we sometimes think that's how God is he's just so proud of us that he made us but yet we fail him after time and time again but just as those items that we had made into a golf go-kart wasn't being used for their purpose those bike tires were supposed to be on bikes that plywood was supposed to be on a building somewhere We took their purpose and we used it for something else different and it didn't flow. So I want to ask you, what are you created for? What's your purpose? In verse 16, it says this, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So let me ask you this again what were you created for when we think that there's nothing to live for the suicide rate is higher today than it's ever been in the history of the world because people think there's nothing to live for we have the greatest news known to mankind that we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and we should be sharing that good news with every single person we come in contact. When I begin looking at this verse and I begin seeing that everything, myself included, was created for God's glory. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you think. You act. You talk. And the way you live your life. I know I said that think twice. Um, but it will change everything that you do. When you begin to comprehend that everything inside of you is made for the glory of God. I've been reading this book. I gave it out at Christmas to some people, some of our music people. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Flower, 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 fire. Wow, words are hard this morning. Um, and so let me get some water. Maybe that'll help clear up my, my words. Because water clears up everything, right? So fresh wind, fresh Fire by Jim Simla. Jim Simla is the pastor at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. This is his story of when he took over the church, the hard times that they went through, and how he was able to see God work in their lives. And on page fifty-four, as I was reading that this week, I picked it up at Christmas and I I lost it and I found it before we went on vacation. And I began reading again, and I came across this paragraph, and I thought that fits so well with this thought of our works for God's glory. It begins talking about how Adam and Eve were created and how they had kids. And we know the story of Cain and Abel. And then it goes into the story of after the death. And it says this, think about this. Until this point, people had known God as a creator. They knew God created everything. They knew that Adam and Eve had walked in the garden. They knew there was some type of relationship, but they didn't really understand God in that sense and it said he made the garden of Eden and the rest of the world as far as the eye could see they saw the created God now came the beginning of the first collective relationship with the Almighty before the Bible was created before the first preacher was ordained or the first choir was formed a godly strand of men and women distinguished themselves from their ungodly neighbors By calling on the Lord, Cain and his lineage had gone their own way, independent of God. By contrast, these people affirmed their dependence on God by calling out to him. If people were to look at Sulphur Springs Baptist Church, would they say that we have affirmed our dependence upon God? He goes on to say, in fact, God's first people were not called Jews. They weren't called the children of Israel. They weren't even called the Hebrews. In the very beginning, the original name was this: those who call on the name of the Lord. On some unmarked day, at some unnoted hour, a God-placed instinct inside of our human heart came alive. People sensed that if you were in trouble, you can call out to God, and He will answer. He will intervene in your situation. He writes in this, and I thought it was a great analogy. He said, I can imagine one woman standing around making some food, saying to another woman, have you heard about the God who answers when you call on him? He's more than just a creator. He cares and responds to our needs. He actually understands what we're feeling. The other woman looks and says, what are you talking about? God does whatever he pleases. People can't influence him one way or another. That woman responds, no, no, you're wrong. When you call out to him, he doesn't turn a deaf ear. He listens, he responds, and he acts. When we understand that we're created for a purpose, it changes our prayer life. It changes the way we seek God. So I'm going to ask that same question again. What is the role that Jesus is playing in your life? Is he just there that you go to? Or is he someone that you have to go to on every minute of every second of every day? When God made, what God made in his perfectness doesn't fall apart. You ever been in the kitchen with your mom when you were a kid? Some kids may may, may remember this. Um, And you're in there helping her cook. Right now, me and my wife, we share the cooking. I like to bake. I like to make cakes and brownies and fun things like that because I like sweets and As you can tell. Um, And so the kids have started wanting to help bake and help cook. And I remember as a kid, and maybe y'all didn't do this, maybe y'all are perfect. I remember as a kid, maybe mom stepped away and we were making cookies. And the recipe called for one cup of sugar. And I went over and I grabbed one cup of salt. Because it's basically the same thing, it's white, like it's no big deal. So I put it in and I mixed. And I'm like, Mom, yeah, look, I made this. And we bake it, and it comes out wrong. Okay, and mom looks and says, well, what did you make? What did you put in there? Her recipe was perfect. Okay, it was the best chocolate chip cookies you can ever put in your mouth. And I came in and messed it up by doing something wrong. And what did mom do? She didn't get mad. She said, well, let's show you the right way to do it. She came in and she fixed the problem. God said, I made things perfect. We come in and screw them up because we're humans. We mess things up. That's what we do. Look at Adam and Eve. God said, I made everything perfect. You can have everything you want in this garden. And yet we still find a way to mess it up. And God says that when you mess it up, I'm still going to send a way to make it right. We screwed up the world. And yet he said, I'm going to send my own son. To come and fix the world just as our mom and dad would step up and make things right when we mess up you wreck your first car mom and dad are going to scald you okay you're going to get in trouble but yet they're going to come in and make things right you do things wrong mom and dad are going to fix it god in that same way says i've created it perfect you mess it up there's consequences for messing it up there's death that perfect body that perfect soul that perfect spirit is now seeing decay. But God said, but there is a way I'm going to fix it. So he created everything is the first thing. The second thing we see in this passage of scripture is in verse 17. It says, and he is before all things and by him all things consist. He wasn't created, but is supreme over all. Jesus was not created. He was supreme over all. He was always there. A lot of people and the common misconception is that when we read the name of Jesus as the son of God, we take that and we think, well, he's a son, so that means he must be created. I created a son. I created a daughter. Okay? And so the misconception is that Jesus wasn't always there. He was created as well. But yet, when we look at scripture, we see that in the beginning, All three of them created the heavens and the earth. We see that he was before all things in this passage. We also see that by him, he holds everything together. By him, he holds everything together. I want you to look at your life. Think back on the times when everything seemed to be falling apart. And yet God was still there holding things together. The world is still X amount of miles away from the sun. It's still spinning at a certain speed so that we have all of our four seasons. And it's still going around the sun, not too fast, not too slow. It's perfect because God is holding them together. wrote down a couple of statements under this, and I think they're in your notes. When you think everything is falling apart, just remember he's holding everything together. He's holding it all together. There's going to be times in our life where things seem to be falling apart. The world seems to be crashing and coming to an end. And it very well may. I'm not a prophet. I'm not here to tell you that everything's going to be better. The Bible clearly states that things are going to get a lot worse before it ever gets better. But what I am here to say is that when everything seems to be falling apart, as a Christian, as someone who has God in your heart, He's holding those things together. I've said this illustration many a times. When my mom and dad got a divorce and I found out that there was infidelity there and my mom had been cheating on my dad and things were not perfect. In my mind, in my life, everything was falling apart. My mind, my family was perfect. This could never happen to my family. Every other family at school, yeah, man, they they don't go to church. They don't love Jesus. This can't happen to my family. But all of a sudden, when I was in that moment and I was crying and I was on my knees, it wasn't in that moment, but moments later, months later, years later, did I see that God was still in control in that situation. God was still holding things together in that situation. He's bigger than we can ever imagine. He's bigger than we can ever imagine and he's stronger than we can ever think. I want to look at... In my opinion, one of the most sad verses of all scripture, it's in Matthew chapter 13. If you want to turn there, you can. If you don't have time, you just want to write it down. Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. Along with this point, he's bigger than we can ever imagine, stronger than we can ever think. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 58, not 58, I think it's twenty thirty-eight. 38. No, 28. No. 13, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. Here it is. Jesus came to Nazareth, his hometown. And he's there and he's doing things. He's healing people. And at the very end of this chapter, he says this in verse 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief Jesus came to Nazareth his hometown they said is this not the carpenter's son they didn't believe it and he said I was going to do so much greater things in this place but because you did not have belief I'm taking it away and I began thinking are we putting God in a box in our life are we saying he can only do this He can't do anything outside of this little square. God says, take your imagination and imagine as big as you possibly can, and I'm greater than that. Because when we don't have unbelief, it says he cannot work there. The third thing under this point is he is supreme above all creation. He is supreme above all creation. The other day I was reading in a book, and I came across this statement and it was one of those statements, if you, if you read, if you like to read, I read most theology books, some history books. I read this statement, and it was one of those statements that like rocks your world. Like you have to take a step back, you have to read it about 20 more times to fully understand it. And this is what it said. I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. And so many times, the waves come in our life, and our response is, Why did you do this, God? Why would you put me in this situation? Why would you allow my mom and dad to get a divorce? Why would you allow so-and-so to lose a pregnancy? Why would you do this? And when I read the second part of that statement, those waves push us to the rock. They push us to the creator, to the one who created everything. And when we began to see those situations realign in our life, realigning our life back to him, it will change the way we see the situations that come in our life. So he wasn't created, but he was supreme overall. He created everything. And the last thing in verse 18 and 19, it says this, he is the head and the leader of the church. He is the head and the leader of the church. And he is the head of the body and the church, who is the beginning, the first one from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him him should all fullness dwell. So the church is his creation. And through God, through Jesus, the church will live on. We are not bound by human error. I'm going to make mistakes. I make them every single day of my life. I've got my wife to prove that. I've got my son to prove that, and I've got my daughter to prove that. They can tell you that I make mistakes every single day of my life. And if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, I make mistakes every single day of my life. And I'm so thankful that God is not bound by our mistakes. He says that he is not bound by our error. And God says that he is the head of the church. And unless Jesus ends, the church will not end. The last time I checked when I read the Bible... Jesus never ends, so the church never ends. The church will always be here. And so therefore, since Jesus is the head, Jesus is the one leading the church, we must get behind Jesus, and we have to ask ourselves that opening question, what is the role that Jesus plays in our life? Where is he in our life? What is he doing to influence our life? I love this verse as I begin, begin continue reading. It says that he is the head, and he also has Preeminence. And since he is the rule and he is the head and he is the preeminence, when we are a Christian, we are called the bride of Christ. Now, me and Allie, when we got married, she became my bride. Everything that I had, which was about this much, <laughs> she inherited, okay? She inherited all of my debt. She inherited, which I didn't have any debt. I inherited more of her debt. Um, but... <laughs> She she inherited everything that I had. She inherited all of my good looks. She inherited all of my family. I inherited her family. We became one through that marriage. And so when we take that thought and that mindset and we say that we're the bride of Christ and when we get married to Christ, we inherit everything that he has. His preeminence, his power, his glory, everything that God has, we inherit. It's almost, if you think of it like this, as a monarchy, as someone where there's a king or a queen, the queen of England, and they have that power, those, the, the ability to rule in a monarchy way, and her sons have that same power, that same authority. We are in that same mindset because we are the bride of Christ, and we are the heirs to his throne. Then he says this last statement. This is where I'll end. The musicians can start playing as we continue to close this message up. He says this, that it pleases the Father that everything should dwell in him. We ask ourselves this question, what is Jesus to us in our life? Okay. We also ask ourselves the question, how can I please God? How can I please God with my life? And it says here in this verse. That it pleases the Father that all should dwell in him. So I want to ask you this question. Are you dwelling in him? Are you dwelling in the man, in the headship, in the thought, in the body of Jesus Christ? Are you dwelling in him? Or are you only going to him when it's convenient for you? When you get that flat tire and you remember, hey, I've got a spare tire in the back of my car gonna go get it out and go put it on because I need it now is that how we're treating God is that how we're treating Jesus that whenever we are in trouble hey God I remember you I know you're there now and I need you now we must dwell in him at all times day and night every second of every day not just when things get bad but a continual dwelling in him. began thinking of when I began dating my wife and I began spending every waking moment that I could with her. Now, why did I do that? Because I loved her, yeah? I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to know what made her tick. I wanted to make her what pleased her. I wanted to know that if she likes me spending time with her, I'm going to spend more time with her. But the reason I spent time with her was to get to know her. The only way we're going to know God is by spending time with him. He said, I've given you everything that you need to know me. But it involves spending that time in his word, in prayer. If you want to be closer to him, we must spend time with him. So as we begin to go into this invitation, I want to ask you, Where is He in your life? Maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking, just like my fourth grade Sunday school teacher thought, who was my Sunday school teacher and was my brother's and sister's Sunday school teacher, and it wasn't until I was in middle school that she realized, you know what? I'm a preacher's kid who's raised in church my whole life, but I've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, "Ah, He's created me and... And he's supreme over me, but I don't know him like you're saying. I don't know him like the the children of Adam and Eve who said they called upon him. I've never had those experiences. Maybe today is the day where you need to step back and say, I want to have that relationship. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know what? Jesus' role in my life isn't where it needs to be. Maybe as a family this morning, you need to say, you know what? We need to re-examine our family we've had some time of isolation and some quarantine and it could have been used for our family to grow closer to jesus but instead it was used as complaining and griping maybe this is a time to say as a family we need to grow closer and so i'm going to challenge us this morning if you don't know jesus please ask him to be your savior come talk to me if not and you have examine your life where is he dwelling in your life what role is he playing in your life? So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, be with this message. Be with this thought. Be with our people this morning. Lord, we need you more than we ever have needed you because it's another day. And every day we need you more than we needed you yesterday. Not because of what's going on in the world, but because it's a different day. And we need your power more in our life. So Father, I pray that you'll be with us this morning and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll sing.